Today is Thursday, May 26th, 2022, and on this show we're going to bust three myths about gun control wide open with data. And ladies and gentlemen, our children's lives are at stake, so it's time to start talking about real solutions here, not just political solutions. I'm a father of two, and I want my children to be safe. Here's how to make them safe. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. I don't like this. No. Please to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to this over. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. My name is Benny Johnson and welcome to The Benny Show. What you saw there in the cold open is Beto O'Rourke charging the stage, storming the stage during a solemn press conference about the now 21 people, many of them children, who died in Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde, Texas, at the hands of a psychotic killer, an 18-year-old who worked a job at Wendy's in order to buy guns, in order to commit murder, the murder of his own grandmother, and celebrate it over text. A young man who cut his own face severely prone to self-harm from a broken family, impoverished, a drug addict mother, an absent father, a young man of Latino descent, a young man who dropped out of school. He was so troubled and was bullied and often fought his fellow students. Now he's a murderer of those students and he is dead. He is the most evil type of individual you could have in a society and we have nothing to say. to the parents. What do you say? You don't want these things to happen. How do you prevent them? Well, unfortunately, there is a entire party in our country that is devoted to not finding any real solutions. The venom and vitriol that was vomited out of the mouth of Joe Biden through his dentures and onto the screen, just Democrat talking point pablum. And as Tucker Carlson said, not fitting or worthy of the United States presidency when you have dozens of children slain, killed in their classroom. Democrats don't ever offer any solutions. And so we are here to bust myths and to describe the three major problems that lead to shootings in this country and the type of mass shooting that seems to be taking headlines by storm from coast to coast. The first myth that we're going to bust is that policy prescriptions on the books right now or in the political zeitgeist and discourse would have prevented this murder. Now, Take a step back 
and look around the country. Will you go to Texas, sir? President of the United States, sir, frail, confused, bitterly partisan, desecrating the memory of recently murdered children with tired talking points from the Democratic Party, dividing the country in a moment of deep pain rather than uniting. His voice rising, amplified only as he repeats the talking points he repeated for over 35 years in the United States Senate. Partisan politics being the only thing that animates him. Unfit for leadership of this country. Sandy Hook is in Connecticut. Buffalo is in New York. San Bernardino and various other mass shootings are in California. What do these states have in common? They're blue states. They're extremist states as it pertains to gun laws. Some of the most strict gun laws on the planet exist in these states. And regularly and often, including last week, The Supreme Court or various district federal courts have to strike down laws that are passed in California because they are unconstitutional and against the Second Amendment. These states have such restrictions on the books for the Second Amendment that they often have to have the injunction federally of lawsuits because their rules are unconstitutional. The idea that further restrictions and more rules and more laws on the books would stop a deranged, self-harm sociopath like the person, the monster, who killed in Uvalde, Texas, is wrong. It is a myth proven time and time again. Doesn't matter if you are in New Zealand, which has extreme Gun law restrictions, it doesn't matter if you are in dark blue California or Connecticut or New York. Oftentimes, the left talks about increased background checks, increased background checks. Well, are you aware that the shooters in Buffalo and in Sandy Hook and in Parkland were all under the age of 21? None of these shooters would have had anything in their background come up. Because the background checks don't go talk to their childhood friends. As we know, the shooter in Uvalde, Texas, was a deeply disturbed young man from a broken home, again, who according to one witness in his life, regularly cut his own face again and again with knives over and over and over. How is a background check exactly going to stop a sociopath like that? No. Unfortunately, the Democrat Party has absolutely no solutions other than full gun confiscation, which is what they want, but they know that it's a losing issue. So what they do is they speak in pablum. Do more. Do something. Go out there and get them. Go do something. The time for action is now. But what are their solutions exactly? Can somebody illuminate them for me? No, you can't. Because every mass shooting goes like this in the corporate media 
Democrat stenographers ping pong ball Plinko of mass shootings. Here we go. Here's Plinko, mass shooter Plinko for the corporate press. Is the shooter white? If the shooter is white and if we can find something in his background, then we put him in the white supremacy evil camp. White supremacy is the largest terrorist threat in America. See, we told you so. You, you're the problem, white people. If the shooter is not white, then it goes into the gun control argument. You don't hear a word about the shooter. You'll never hear a word about their background. It goes directly into the gun control argument. As long as suffice that they killed enough people, let's say it wasn't a deadly mass shooting like the New York shooting, which was a black supremacist. A black supremacist and multiple black supremacists and leftists have gone on to commit extreme acts of violence over the last few years. We'll actually give you a full breakdown at the end of this show. But if it is a black supremacist or somebody of the left, which there are many, radicalized, deadly, often leads to death, sometimes just leads to mass injury like the New York subway shooter, well, then we'll memory hole it. You'll never hear again about this issue. Why? Well, because it doesn't bring us power. Everyone rejoiced this last week when Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion and we thought that maybe he'd be taking that company out of the leftist cesspool and into the land of free speech, but he's not out of the woods yet. You see, Twitter is still platformed on Amazon web servers. Those are the racks and the servers that could pull Twitter offline if they don't like what Elon Musk is doing. You don't think they'll do it? They did the same thing to Parler. They offlined the entire platform and crashed it because they didn't like what was happening on it. This is how evil and how incestuous the left has become with their control of the internet. It's why we need a new American internet. It's why we are so thrilled to be partnering with rightforge.com. Rightforge.com is the true American internet and founded on American free speech principles. That's why bennyjohnson.com is hosted by Rightforge. Rightforge is also bringing back President Trump to the internet by hosting Truth Social, a new online community for free thinkers and free speech. It's amazing to have a company that is investing in the real wire and infrastructure, the routers, the servers, the racks that make the internet possible. And if we don't go down to the very core, we'll never have free speech back. The core of American values is what drives RightForge. And we encourage you to go to rightforge.com. That's rightforge.com. And talk to them today about bringing your domain over so you are uncancelable by the left. Rightforge.com. No, ladies and gentlemen, there is no value in the left talking about solutions, real solutions for our children. And so we're going to talk about them today and we're going to bust some myths as they pertain to why mass shootings happen. And myth number one busted is that more laws would equal more safety. The reality is no. They don't. And it's proven again and again and again, horrifyingly. Beto O'Rourke went and charged the stage in Texas to yell at Greg Abbott. Why? Beto O'Rourke went and charged the stage for a publicity stunt, just like Joe Biden 
when Joe Biden went on TV to babble on about the NRA and the gun lobby, the same speech he's given for 50 years, they have no solutions. They come up with nothing. They just use it as a political cudgel. And Joe Biden is simply making a cold calculation that he may be able to gain some power or some political points here. Same with Barack Obama, who tweeted last night that we need to remember the 21 slaughtered children in Uvalde, Texas, but also we got to remember George Floyd. Uh, Can somebody please explain to me how these issues are connected? Somebody explain to me precisely why those two things should be lumped together? Barack Obama can't, but it doesn't stop him from attempting to use the death of these children to make a political point. And that's precisely what Beto O'Rourke was doing. Beto O'Rourke would be asking Greg Abbott and did ask Greg Abbott in the clip we played for our cold open, hey, what the hell are you doing about this? Well, what are you doing about it? The question is, what solutions do you have, Beto? Exactly what do you intend on doing? Banning all AR-15s? Beto O'Rourke has said that. But the Democratic Party isn't going to get online with that because it is far too unpopular. It would mean gun confiscation in this country. The reality is that no NRA member has ever committed a mass shooting. There are tens of millions, nary hundreds of millions of legal lawful gun owners in this country who have that gun for the protection of their family would never use that gun unless it was their children who were being threatened, not to threaten other children. And so a small handful of mentally ill sociopaths are now going to lead to the restrictions of all of their freedoms? No, no. More laws do not equal more safety in this regard. Criminals will still get guns. Bad people will still do bad things. Cocaine is illegal. Marijuana is illegal in many states. Do you think people do not use cocaine or marijuana in those states? Guns and many weapons are illegal all throughout South America. Owning of any gun is illegal in those places. Do you think that the cartels still have guns and are allowed to use them with abject liberty? Yes. The answer is yes, of course. Because crime finds a way, dangerous people find a way because they get power from it. Did you know that not since the pandemic have stocks slid as much as they slid just last month? Quarterly earnings are abysmal. The economy is shrinking and mortgage rates are going through the roof because the Fed knows that an overheated economy and hyperinflation is going to lead to disaster. And it's already here, ladies and gentlemen. Stagflation and the worst economic climate in many decades is upon us. What are you doing to protect your wealth? In the Johnson family, we're using our friends at Birch Gold. We are buying precious metals and diversifying into something of real value. My wife and I, 
invested for the first time last month and Birch made it so easy. For the first time, we have our future protected by precious metals. We diversified into a tax-sheltered retirement account with gold and it couldn't have been easier. Please text Benny to 989898 to secure the gains you've made while you still can. Every roller coaster comes to an end. Every night at the bar comes with a hangover, and we are here. Do not get a headache over losing your fiat currency because of the dumb decisions made in Washington. Invest in something of real value. Gold, ladies and gentlemen, through Birch Gold, the only people I trust with my future. Text Benny to 9898 and start protecting your future today with gold. So when Beto O'Rourke goes up to the stage and screams at Greg Abbott, what are you doing? He was called a sick son of a bitch by the town's mayor, Greg Abbott, for his own response, cut Beto to the quick. And while Beto was screaming and trying to make this all about him, the dead children, Greg Abbott sat silent. Greg Abbott spoke later, and here's what he had to say. There are, there are family members. There are family members who are crying as we speak. There are family members whose hearts are broken. There's no words that anybody shouting can come up here and do anything to heal those broken hearts. We all, every Texan, every American has a responsibility where we need to focus not on ourselves and our agendas. We need to focus on the healing and hope that we can provide to those who have suffered unconscionable damage to their lives and loss of life. We need all Texans to, in this one moment in time, put aside personal agendas, think of somebody other than ourselves, think about the people who were hurt, and help those who have been hurt. And this time, Lieutenant Governor will speak. Yeah, how about we take a second and grieve? But Democrats can't do that. Rush to fill the void, to absorb all of the pain and use it for my own power. Perhaps weaponize it politically as quickly as possible so that I can change the narratives from my own failures. These people are sick. And if you were to actually pin down Beto and ask him what his solution is for gun violence in America... Here's what you'd hear. In time, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Got it. Okay. Great. There you go. Beto O'Rourke is human scum, but at least he's honest scum. He said it. He said the thing that mustn't be said. Voldemort for the Democrat Party openly, you would call this a Freudian slip, right? Where you announce your true intentions. Yes, we are going to come confiscate all of your weapons. That is what the Democrat Party wishes to do. That is what they would like to do. That is their only policy prescription. That's it. Full 
firearm confiscation unconstitutional would lead to perhaps another civil war. But it won't stop him from trying. Why is it, ask yourself, that the deadliest place for gun violence in America is the city of Chicago? Why is it that a city that has, have they ever had a Republican governor? Not in my lifetime. A city that is so blue, in a state that is so blue, it's one of the first states that's ever called, boom, Illinois, Illinois goes to Biden. They call it like seconds after the polls close. Why is it that a state with the harshest, strictest gun laws in a city with some of the harshest, strictest gun laws on the planet, Chicago, Illinois, has the highest rates of homicide? Ask yourself, hey, Beto, is it because you haven't confiscated their guns yet? You know, there's a lot of neighborhoods in Chicago. I'm from the Midwest, spent a lot of time in Chicago. A lot of neighborhoods in Chicago I'd really like to see Beto O'Rourke walk into and try and take people's guns, whether they are legally or illegally acquired. Try it. Beto. Would love to see it happen. Give it a shot. Pun intended. Greg Abbott, for his part, responded like a class act. People need to realize who think that maybe we can just implement tougher gun laws and that's going to solve it, that Chicago and Los Angeles and New York disprove this thesis. That is what Greg Abbott said. What you're talking about, it's not a real solution. Our job is to come up with real solutions we can implement. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, let us take a step back and remember that our right to bear arms is there for a specific reason. Our founding fathers were trod upon, taxed, had their property stolen, had their women abused, had their children abused, you could, on any given day, have a British soldier kick in your door, if you were living in the American 13 colonies, kick in your door, put their muddy boots up in your bed while he grabs your food out of your pantry and says, I'm living here now. This is why the quartering of soldiers is a top five amendment that that shall not happen. And if a soldier tried to just march into your house, which was law and legal during the 13 colonies, you'd have a gun. And you'd be able to tell him no. Fast forward to North Carolina. A couple years ago, when an unknown man named Mark Robinson had this to say about stricter gun laws before his own city council in North Carolina. A whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group, and domestic violence and blacks, these minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. 
I'm the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white. You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. That's the reason why I came down here today, gun show or no gun show, NRA or no NRA. I'm here to stand up for the law-abiding citizens of this community. That man is now the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. He will most likely be running for Governor, Senate, and probably have any seat that he wants on a federal or state level from the state of North Carolina because he so eloquently and beautifully stated, and his name is Mark Robinson, once again, he is a hero for standing up and saying, yes, when these mentally ill, pathological freaks commit violence, you blame the gun, remember the Plinko, are they a white supremacist? Well, we'll blame white supremacy. If they are not a white supremacist, well, then we'll blame the gun and demand more gun control. Mark Robinson is saying, I won't take it anymore. You are not going to lay at my feet these mentally ill bastards who commit atrocities and say that because I am a legal, law-abiding gun owner, that for some reason the blood is on my hands. There are a lot of ways to hurt someone. And a car is one of them. There are vehicular homicides. Many of them, thousands of them a year in this country. Do you own a car? Does your grandmother own a car? Are they at fault for some drunken goon who goes on a joyride in his vehicle and runs over someone, God forbid? Are all car owners another licensed, government licensed piece of hardware that you can purchase in society. You know, a, a car is also something licensed from the government. It's a piece of material that you need a license to drive or own. You know, there's a series of numbers that get stamped in it. It's made out of metal and it can do a lot of damage in the wrong hands. Ban cars next. Perhaps it's time 
to bust the second myth, which is that every single shooter matches the same description. They don't. San Bernardino, you have Muslim extremists using shotguns, by the way. In Sandy Hook, you have a deeply unwell young man. He's white. In Texas, you have a deeply unwell young man. He's Latino. In New York City, you have the subway shooter. He's a black supremacist. This man is black. He's not young at all. He's in his 50s or 60s. So to try and pigeonhole mass shooters and say, oh, this is the type of person doing this is intellectually dishonest, but it also doesn't come to the solution. What are your solutions for solving mass shootings? Well, demographically, there are none because mass shooters have a incredibly wide and diverse range of backgrounds and identities. But there is something that seems to tie them together inextricably that the left would never dare to talk about. It has something to do with the very core of their being. And the person who, whether they are black, white, rich, poor, young, old, if they suffered from this step back in life, this kneecapping in their life, well, then the odds are, statistically, that they're going to lead a much worse life. And that kneecapping for a young person is fatherlessness. A report here from the Heritage Foundation on fatherlessness as it pertains to the trend of mass shooters. As another mass school shooting stuns American, it is time to talk about not just how to protect students from shooters, but also about what must happen so that fewer students become shooters in the first place. There is a sobering theme repeated over and over in the biographies of school shooters, the fatherlessness of a broken or never formed family. Among the 25 most cited school shooters since Columbine, 75 were reared in broken homes. Psychologist Dr. Peter Langman, a preeminent expert on school shooters, found that most come from incredibly broken homes of not just divorce and separation, but also infidelity, substance abuse, criminal behavior, domestic violence, and child abuse. We know, for instance that the Uvalde, Texas shooter came from a broken home with drug abuse and an absent father. Psychologist Dr. Peter Langman would not be surprised that this young man went off and committed atrocities. After the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre, Scholar Brad Wilcox called the attention to the work of criminologist Michael Gottfriedson, 
and Travis Herlich, which found the absence of fathers to be one of the most powerful predictors of crimes. He explained that fathers are role models for their sons who maintain authority and discipline, thereby helping them develop self-control and empathy towards others, key character traits lacking in violent youth. In addition to structure and discipline, a boy's relationship with his father can be profound, a profound source of identity, or not. Dr. Warren Farrell, author of The Boy Crisis, says that when a boy asks, who am I, the answer that his identity is compromised half of his dad and half of his mom. If he thinks his father has abandoned him, he fears he is not. Boys who do not have a strong relationship with their fathers may lack a model of health masculinity. Many of the school shooters struggled with a sense of damaged masculinity and sought to become ultra-masculine, Langman says, that the end of this spectrum is getting a gun to have power. In fact, the fathers of three of the most infamous school shooters were absent from their sons' lives. The father of Adam Lanza, the Sandy Hook shooter, had not seen his son in two years, and later told reporters he wished his son had never been born. The adoptive father of Nicholas Cruz died when Cruz was five years old. Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland mass murderer. The father of six-year-old Derek Owens, the country's youngest school shooter, was in jail when his son killed his first-grade classmate. Derek Owens's father said that he suspects his son's crime was a reaction to his absence. Since the 1965 Moynihan Report, the breakdown of the American family has been hotly debated. Democratic Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, finding that fatherlessness would lead to poorer outcomes for African-American children, was published at a time when only 25% of African-American households were led by a single parent. Today, 24% of white non-Hispanic families are led by a single parent, and that rate has reached 66% among African-Americans. If we don't reverse this current trend on marriage and fatherless children, then the number of school shootings will grow. Why don't we talk about this? Why is it that after every school shooting, we look at the person's race or political ideology, but we never look at whether they had a dad? When science, social science, an enormous body of it tells us that this is precisely where we should look. And in fact, this is the problem that we should set about solving. Just like the first myth that we busted in this show, whenever there is a mass shooting, they do not look for solutions. They look for easy, easily scored political points. Additional data. Fatherlessness homes a factor in mass shootings. This from the Sun Sentinel. CNN once looked at the deadliest mass shootings in the United States history, noting that seven killers under 30, only one of them had a biological father that was around for his whole childhood. Considered a joint federal custody showing that 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 
and often as not, mass shooters are simultaneously suicidal. Robert Sampson, a Harvard sociologist, has observed that urban violence is concentrated in neighborhoods with mostly single-parent homes. A Michigan State University poll study sorry, found that 75% of examined adolescent murderers were from fatherless homes. Children with both married parents around are less likely to drop out of school, to become drug addicts, or to grow up impoverished. We never talk about the families, do we? We never describe that because, well, the gatekeepers of our culture, they like a broken American family. They don't want a strong family unit because a strong family unit can withstand anything, including government control. It is an impenetrable nexus that passes on values and passes on virtues and that defends against the sick worldview of these predators and of these communist elite who wish to raise your children for you. If you have strong parents and if you have a two-parent household with present mother and present father who are not addicted to drugs or substances, then you have an incredible bulwark against social planning and social engineering that the left so greatly wants to thrust upon our children. So the left would never argue that we need more moms and dads to stay together. It's against their agenda. They want the public education system and the little obedient communist teachers, pink-haired, nose-ringed, that they plug into those classrooms to indoctrinate your children so they have a permanent voting class. And if more schools get shot up because of it, because of the absent fathers, well, it's cost doing business. This is why they'll never discuss real solutions. They will never discuss real solutions. Gun death myth busted. Rifles are the most dangerous gun. Rifles are killing everyone in America. According to the FBI, in the year 2020, the deadliest weapons are as follows. Handguns, 8,000 plus deaths. Knives, 1,700 deaths. Other weapons, almost 1,000 deaths, 983. Personal weapons like hands and feet, 600. And rifles, 455. Most gun deaths recorded in this country are suicides, actually. Hence the handgun number. So when Beto O'Rourke says he's going to ban AR-15s, what they really mean is they're going to ban all guns. Because as soon as you do that, then you're going to have this glaring statistic that says actually the deadliest gun in America is the handgun. And the number of bullets a handgun can hold is between like 10, 8, 10. So what are you going to do? They're going to ban guns. That's their solution. They always go after rifles without ever citing these statistics. That rifles come behind fists 
and feet for the number of people that they've killed. And that knives are, in fact, the number two killer in America. So are you going to ban knives next? What's going to happen? My wife would be very, very sad to find that out as she uses our sharp knives every single day in our kitchen. Murder versus suicide, Pew Research Center. Though they tend to get less public attention than gun-related murder, suicides have long accounted for the majority of U.S. gun deaths. In 2020, 54% of all gun-related deaths in the United States were suicides. 24,000. While 43 were murders, 19,000, according to the Centers for Disease Control. The remaining gun deaths that year were unintentional or involved law enforcement and had undetermined circumstances. So yeah, I think maybe we should start parsing that out, but you never hear that important delta as it pertains to that data. What is the difference? How should you count a suicide versus a murder as it pertains to the gun death? Is the suicidal person, would they have killed themselves some other way? The answer is yes, most likely. There are lots of readily available ways to kill yourself if, God forbid, that is the darkened thought that you have in your mind. And if you have that thought in your mind, don't do it. Seek help. The real solution to all of this and the lasting solution to all of this would simply be to harden schools. One point of entry, in and out. A guard at the door, trained, well-armed. Doors that lock on the outside when they are closed. The school shooters, multiple school shooters, have snuck in through the back doors of these schools, through side doors. Harden our schools. That is actually the one solution that would prevent school shootings. Give the billions of dollars that goes into critical race theory training or gender identity politics training or diversity training among your pink-haired staff and hire an armed guard or a couple of them and have them stationed at that school during school hours. Doors that lock on the outside and a single point of entry. And if you are in an area with an enormous amount of crime, a mag- magnonomer at the front of your door, a metal detector. The National Center for Education Statistics says that in the 2017-2018 school year, 95% of public schools reported that they have controlled access to the school buildings by locking or monitoring doors during school hours. Other safety and security measures reported by public schools include the use of security cameras to monitor the school a requirement that faculty and staff wear badges or picture IDs, and the enforcement of a strict dress code. In addition, 27% of public schools reported the use of random sweeps for contraband. 20% required that students wear uniforms, 9% required that students wear badges and IDs, and 5% used random metal detectors at checkpoints. A single point of entry, bulletproof glass, metal detectors, ID checkpoints, and school marshals. Those are the solutions of Andrew Pollock, our friend, 
who lost his beautiful daughter, Meadow Pollock, at the Parkland shooting here in Florida, where any of these would have perhaps prevented his daughter from perishing, all of them would have all but guaranteed that that shooter was not successful. And that the shooter here in Uvalde, Texas, was not successful. But nobody wants to talk about it. The myths busted are that further legislation and gun control will stop a sociopath or a criminal. It won't. It doesn't matter if it's a blue state or red state, young, old, black, white, rich, poor. That rifles are the number one killer in America. We need to ban the specific type of gun. Here's how we stop it. We ban this gun. We're going to take your AR-15s. Hell yeah. They may look scary, but fists and knives account for far more deaths in America than rifles. And that all shooters can sort of be lumped together. White supremacist, right? It's a white supremacist. They're not concerned with solutions. They're concerned with power. And so they won't discuss real solutions like hardening the schools or like fatherlessness that is an indicator that your child may become a school shooter. The absenteeism of a father, abuse or drug use in the household, and soft schools, gun-free zones, no guards. These invite shootings. So those are the things that we must talk about if we wish to prevent the next school shooting. These are the three myths that we busted in the show. And the reason why we do them is because we have our priorities straight. God, family, country. I'll be damned if I ever let my kid go to public school. I'll never do it after seeing this. And the only way I would ever allow my child to go to a public school would be if they took these prescriptions to heart. I would feel safe if there was a single point of entry, an armed guard at that point of entry, bulletproof glass, metal detectors, ID checkpoints, and marshals who were armed and ready to go when one of these sick bastards rolled in. Because you can't prevent sick bastards in society. Mankind is broken and always has been. But what you can do is you can rival and stop evil dead in its tracks. That's what we intend to do. In the Johnson household, well-armed household, and it's what I hope happens the next time one of these satanic, demonic, possessed monsters goes on a rampage. I hope they're put down and put down quick. Our children deserve better. These are actual solutions. Harden our schools. Identify those kids who are committing self-harm, mentally ill, fatherless. And stop throwing temper tantrums, Beto. Those are the only ways. The only ways. 
is if we really talk about actual policy solutions like this and stop getting cheap political points off the still warm bodies of little kids. These people are truly, truly lost. It's a sickening thing to see as a father. Do not give them power. They are undeserving of it. My name is Benny Johnson, and this has been The Benny Show.